Hello, and welcome to It's Symbolic, where we just don't have a goddamn clue what's going on here. We don't know shit. I'm Jacob Savage. Oh, I'm Mir. <laughs> I'm You cut out, I'm so ben. I don't even know. Oh my really God, don't know what's going on here. I didn't yeah, even I... hear your introduction. Oh. We just wanted to start oh start off on a true note of confusion. <laughs> yes, which is exactly how I feel this week about. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's I'm glad to hear that. how I feel in general. But uh, uh, you you like me being confused? Well, I mean, it's so often that you get to sort of inflict this upon others. You know. <sighs> God. So, so it's really just a huge case of Schadenfreude for you. No, I think confusion's a wonderful thing. Okay, right? Like, what's so bad about it? You just you have so much to sort of chew on and ponder. You have these new ideas, these things that you're confronted with that you've never been confronted with before. Isn't that wonderful? I guess. I don't so. know. <laughs> I mean, you're you're not wrong, but at the same time. My obsessive compulsive tendencies, like having answers, so yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but but that's okay. Answers are not something we're gonna no, get here. Absolutely are they? not. And uh, leave leave your sense of reality at the door. How's that? Uh, as as we enter the world of the Sega CD game, Panic. Is that supposed to be like an instruction? Well, no. Or... This was, it's actually originally called Switch oh. in Japan, which the localized name is quite a stroke of luck. However, many years later, uh, 24 years later, now that uh, in the realm of games, if you talk about Switch, you're kind of talking about something else. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so really lucked out with that one. Switch for Switch, 2K19. I think I've probably made that joke before. That's just the sort of humor that I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, question for everyone. And this is a question that's plagued uh, fans of games and game creators alike for decades. Can video games be comedy? <sighs> God. Hmm... No, no. Yeah, it's a, it's no. a tough one, right? Game, no, they, game, they gamers be. just inherently are not funny. Uh, alright. Good answer. Mirror. Um, I think games can be funny themselves. But can games be comedy? Uh, I think as a person who's quite passionate about comedy, I would have a better answer to this, but... I guess but I just don't equally know dispassionate enough. about video games that it sort of cancels yeah. out. <laughs> All right. I, well, 
I honestly can't tell if you're being serious or if you're doing a gag based off of the are the video games art debate. Uh, who can really say? Which, <laughs> yeah, once again, it kind of just fits with the overall theme of this episode. Anyways, let me take y'all back to the Wild West of game development. CD-based video games. Oh. on the In terms of the console market, uh, Hudson Soft was first on the scene with the PC Engine CD expansion to get for their relatively successful PC Engine in Japan. Uh, and Sega was facing an issue with their Mega Drive, or Genesis here in the States, which, despite its success over uh, overseas here, uh, was pretty much last place in the market in Japan. So they took a dive into the the realm of CD based games, uh, in like I actually forgot to note down the date on this, like ninety two or something. Who cares? <laughs> With the Mega CD or Sega CD as it's known here, I'm gonna be doing a lot of like See. Western names, Japanese names to come. So look forward to that. Yeah. You you may recall the Sega CD from. Our fun little foray into Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors. Yes, and hopefully this will not be the last time we are touching upon it, because it is truly a gem of a system. (laughs) I mean, with the system that gave us Desert Bus, what more can you expect? Actually, it never really gave us Desert Bus. No, it hosted Desert Bus and then sort of kept it to itself. It... It realized that the power was too great. Maybe that's why Sega went under. It's true. No one can really contain that power, except now that Desert Bus has, like, a wide release in VR form. This is totally off-topic. Um, I have no idea what Desert Bus is. Are you saying you don't listen to our show? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Jeez. I want it on record that I do, Jacob, so if you're, if you're, you know, trying to figure out raises and promotions, just keep yeah. that in I mean, mind. I, I... Listen occasionally, but I'm very uh, startled by the sound of my own voice. It wasn't even an episode that you were in. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways. Back on topic. So here we are. The Sega CD. Yeah, about a year later after the release of the Mega CD in Japan, it was still floundering, both it and the Mega Drive as a whole. So this was around the time that Sega was planning a relatively large uh, relaunch for the system and its uh, Mega CD attachment, uh, the Mega Drive 2 and the Mega CD 2 in 1993. And it needed something to go along with it. Maybe not necessarily like a, a massive hit, but something that would really make people feel like this hardware is going to bring something new to the table. Hmm. So... That sort of brings us to the question of what what is a comedy game? How do you make a comedy game? What does that look like? And so they turned to the experts, uh, oh. which will once again require a bit of introduction. I'm going to talk about I, I, primarily... I, if uh, you'll forgive me, going back yeah. to another previous episode, the last time that we had video game designers going to comedy experts, we got Takeshi's challenge, so should we be worried? Um, alright. This time, maybe they'll need to make them (laughs) reel it in a little bit. They don't get full game design and stuff like that. The game design is actually left to the experts. In this case, uh, a fellow at Sega by the name of Tomohiro Kondo. Uh, At the time, he was best known as the game designer 
for the game, uh, Shadow Dancer, which is a part of the Shinobi series. Uh, but later on, he would go to be best known for his work on the Panzer Dragoon series for the Sega Saturn, which is like okay. this Star Fox-like uh, scrolling on-rails shooter where you ride a dragon, and it's very cool and yeah. very well-regarded. Exactly. Shooter, boring. Shooter with dragons? Now you're talking. Yeah, there you go. Well, there's more of those than you think. Anyways, so with him as the game designer, uh, they brought on some comedy veterans, let's say. Veterans is maybe even putting it a bit lightly. They went really far back. Back to 1969 specifically with the variety show Kyosen Maitake Geba Geba Kyujutko. Simply put, how I've seen it best described, uh, is basically a ripoff of the Western TV show, Rowan and Martin's Laughin'. So, mm. you can expect, like, sketch comedy, a lot of slapstick, a lot of, like, you know, catchphrase-based gags, that sort of thing. It's very... But do national politicians it... say any of these catchphrases? <laughs> uh, no, I don't even know who was the leader at the time, and... I, I would like to see, like, even in a modern context, Shinzo Abe, sort of... He could just say soccer <laughs> to me, even. That would be... Like, that's just, that's just timeless. Yeah. <laughs> Why change perfection? It is perfection. I don't know. Yeah. That should be part of, like, the being sworn in for any, like, political position. They put their <laughs> hand on the Bible and they say, socket to me? And <laughs> anyways. Um... So yeah, so here we are with Geba Geba Kyujupun. It was a pretty popular show at the time. It brought uh, uh, a couple actors and talents who would later become big names onto the scene. And uh, in in this case, uh, some various other comedic talent in the form of writers and animators as well. Uh, before I move on and name them, though, uh, similar to how Ronan Martin's Laugh-In sort of ended up inspiring uh, Sesame Street to some extent, at least early on. Uh, it similarly sort of spun off into uh, an educational show five years later called uh, Curriculum Machine. recommend taking a look at if you get the chance because boy there there you you see a lot of people talking about like oh man i can't believe they got away with this on a children's show but let me tell you about the very first two sketches i saw on curriculum machine oh the first one uh involves a bus being uh driven off a cliff and then uh all of its occupants are ascending to heaven <laughs> And then the one following that takes place in a hostess club with, and involves a drunken brawl at said hostess club. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can't, I can't speak as to the hostess club sketch, but bus falls and everyone dies sounds a lot more on brand 
with how children actually play with their toys than people like to admit. <laughs> That's quite yeah. true. But it's it's very bizarre seeing like this scene in a hostess club while they're trying to like, you know, explain different, you know, aspects of spelling and stuff like that. It's very low level educational, similar to Sesame Street. So these shows had a lot of shared staff, including one of the writers who would go on to become the scenario writer of Panic, Hajime Tabe. Uh, about two decades later, after uh, Geba Geba Kyujupun, uh, he founded a theater troupe called Wahaha Hompo, which is active to this day uh, mm. and sort of specializes in very like vaudevillian theater. Okay. Uh, now, the other key individual of note uh, related to these two shows is the individual who would become the character designer for Panic, uh, Renzo Kinoshita. Uh, so a, a shared aspect between these two shows is that they would feature uh, animated segments, both independently and some segments that would intersperse uh, animation with like actual actors and have them interacting with the animation and that sort of thing. So, kind uh, of Monty Python in that regard. Yes, and that's not the last we'll hear of uh, uh, yes. that name today. Uh, in particular, uh, Geva Geva Kyujupun had this mascot character called Geva Geva Ojisan, who eventually uh, had his own like spin-off anime and stuff like that. But about Kinoshita himself... I, I, I'm sorry, every time you say Geva Geva, I think of Yo Gabba Gabba, and it's really distracting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Geva Geva is supposed to be like this sort of onomatopoeic. It comes from like German or something. I really don't know that well. Right. So Kinoshita, he actually dates back to, you know, the really olden days of the Japanese animation industry, working with Tezuka on Astro Boy, actually. Mm. But commercial animation wasn't really his thing. So he founded his own studio called Studio Lotus that his uh, future wife would also later join. So in addition to working on animation for Geva Geva and Curriculum Machine, uh, they did a lot of commercials to help fund their own work, uh, which was sort of their primary point of pride. For what who, someone who would be primarily associated with comedic animation, a lot of his is very like political and uh, socially inclined. One of his best known uh, is a work called Made in Japan, which is basically a critique of post-war Japanese society, which actually ended up winning the uh, inaugural New York International Film Festival. Oh. Uh, mm. And another one would be uh, Pikadon, which is an animation that depicts the bombing of Hiroshima, which ended up being such an accurate portrayal that uh, yeah, he helped to found I... the... Oh, Yeah. I think I've heard of that one, actually. Huh. Yeah, it's really well regarded. I haven't seen it myself. His works are sort of... There hasn't been much in the way of proper collections of it. You can find some of it on YouTube, which I do quite recommend. I think it's really cool stuff. Yeah, if Picadon is the one that I am thinking of, I have seen it referenced quite a bit online, especially if you're looking into intense or disturbing animation. Yes. So, like I said, uh, this is apparently so, such an accurate and moving portrayal of the bombing of Hiroshima that, uh, he ended up helping to found the Hiroshima International Animation Festival along with his wife. Hmm. So, uh, lastly, uh, we have another comedian 
uh, providing the music. Although he was not involved with either of the shows I previously mentioned, uh, we have Kei Tani, who was more than just sort of being a comedian. He was a comedian musician, I guess you could say. He played a trombone for what was called a comic jazz band called the Crazy Cats. Uh, and although very good featured, name. Yes, it is. And although they weren't featured on either of those shows, the Crazy Cats actually had uh, their own musical variety show upon which he sort of gained fame called uh, Shabon Dama Holiday. Uh, and he also had many movie appearances as well as uh, appearances on dramas as a serious actor. Uh, as a comedian, though, he was pretty well known for a lot of his uh, like nonsense word catchphrases. Uh, I can give you some clips of those or something so that you can insert them in because we'll, we'll avoid me trying to make a fool of myself repeating them here. Oh. You you lack ambition. Yeah, sorry to disappoint. So, now we have this crack team of comedy experts assembled. What? How do you make a comedy game from here, though? Uh, actually, uh, Hajime Tabe, he sort of he had this weekly column on a magazine called Beat Mega Drive, which sort of specialized on uh, Mega Drive games, naturally. And I, I said weekly, but I meant monthly, where he would sort of <laughs> give updates on the development progress of the game, as well as provide some anecdotes about, you know, comedy and the idea of, you know, making a comedy-based game and stuff like that. And... I've read only some of it because none of it's translated and I'm not super great at reading like Japanese magazine articles. I already have a hard enough time reading like Western game magazine articles with, uh, or I, I did back in the day when I had limited reading comprehension. I don't know. So, how, how totally radical are these gaming articles? <laughs> not very to my knowledge. Mm. So, but what I could g- gather from it was, you know, he did discuss some of the ideas of how you make a comedy game. If that, if it's like a game where like it's two comedians like facing off, making goofy noises at one another or something like that. But no, in the end, what it ended up being is something that was billed as a gag adventure game. So, and that's probably the best way I can think of to describe it. It's sort of like, uh, uh, point-and-click game in simple terms. It's actually one of the few Genesis games that uses a mouse add-on. So, the gameplay is basically uh, buttons appear on screen, you click them, and then funny stuff happens. And that's about it. It's, actually, it's all part of this greater setup in which uh, uh, all the machines of the world have gone haywire due to some virus. And you play yeah, as... Sounds like a regular afternoon at my house. There you go. Sounds like the plot of uh, the Stephen King's directorial debut, Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. They're they're not as directly threatened by the trucks in this one. Yeah. So, uh, the protagonist, uh, Slap, a young boy, and his dog, Stick, are tasked with uh, ridding the world of this computer virus and bringing order to machines worldwide. And that brings us to I Switch, don't... eventually localized as uh, Panic. 
in North America. Yeah, I don't know why this child in specific, like, looking over some of the things he does in this game, I figured this kid is probably, like, four. <laughs> yes, he is very juvenile, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's it kind of... My initial reaction to, like, the character and design and stuff was, like, it reminds me of something like uh, Cran Shinchan, I guess. I can kind of see that, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the closest point of reference I have. I get the impression that when it was marketed for Western release, they were going for more of, like, a South Park sort of angle. Because all of the ads for it, like, played off, like, a, this game is intended for mature audiences only, even though it had, like, a big rated T on the box. Which, you know what? Pretty much summarizes South Park as a whole. So. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think this game is... At least I didn't see anything that was racist. No, I mean, for one, there's uh, very limited voice work as a whole. Voice work is pretty much isolated to specific, like, uh, cutaway gag scenes and are fairly infrequent. Most of the game is based around uh, sight gags and goofy noises. Most of which... I feel like we have to point out that a good portion of the sound effects are clearly just one guy in front of a microphone trying his best. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's more than most of them. It's virtually all of them. And this these sound effects were provided by uh, foreign talent, uh, Kent Frick, who uh, was sort of, in addition to appearing as, like, you know, the novelty um, American, English-speaking, like, you know, comedian on shows and stuff like that, uh, is a radio DJ even to this day. And Sega actually worked with him another time for uh, Crazy Taxi, in which he provided voices for that. Oh. But yeah, he actually gets credited for this. <laughs> he does. He was featured even in the ads for it. Oh. Uh, and while I'm at it, talking about voices, uh, Slap himself is voiced by uh, veteran voice actress uh, Fuyumi uh, Shiraishi, who... Once again, is another person who's involved in a lot of very, like, classic anime. All the names involved in this are from, like, the 60s and 70s. So it's very much a com- like a brand of comedy that's sort of out of vogue at this point. Yeah, I, I'll admit, none of... that. That is not a name that rings a bell. Not that I know uh, very I much can... about yeah, no, Japanese this is Seiyu, like, but... No, this is probably earlier than anything you would really make a habit of watching. <laughs> So let's see, where where to begin with the game? There's not... We can't really go through our usual format of describing progression through the game. So I just kind of want to hear you two recount some of, I guess, your experience with the game and like some of what you saw and how you felt about it. Because <laughs> I think that one's personal experience with it is sort of... You may as well go over the premise, essentially. So, or not necessarily the story premise, but rather how the game works. Sure. Basically... Slap is placed in a scene with some form of electronic with buttons. And you press these buttons and things happen. Occasionally, 
that thing that happens will be Slap being transported to another scene. Lather, rinse, repeat. There are, I believe, 21 different quote-unquote levels. And that's not counting the scenes. I, 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 I want to say... Yeah, the game advertised itself as having, like, over a thousand gags or something like that. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Definitely over a hundred scenes. There there certainly is a a lot of content in this game. Yes. Yeah. I was, like, as I was playing it, I was trying to figure out what um, the mechanics or whatever, (laughs) I guess. And I was like, oh, this is just a game where you push buttons and stuff happens. (laughs) Yes. And then... Then it occurred to me that I guess that's kind of true of most games. <laughs> yes, that's this true. Is, this is a video game in the way that my parents see video games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's very little on the way of, like strategy that can be taken here. Yes. Mm-hmm. All that you can really do is memor- like you can attempt to memorize button locations as to which will bring you where to avoid going the same place twice or seeing the same things over and over again. The game does not mark once you've already done with some yes. rare exceptions, which I'll go into later. So, uh, so I, well, I spent over to... half an hour just getting trapped in a loop, just <laughs> praying. Yeah, that'll happen. That I would find another place. So cause... that'll happen. There's not really much. You, you just sort of have to accept that you're going with the flow when you're yeah. playing this game, which and can get you'll... a bit obnoxious because. In addition yeah. to the buttons not being marked, there is no skip button. Yes, you and have to see some of every these gag gags all the way through. Take quite They're a while. Lengthy. Yeah, yes, definitely. I think probably the worst offender in this regard is one sequence which takes place in like a hallway of doors, like you'd expect from an old Hanna Barbera cartoon. Yes, it's very evocative yeah. of that. Yes. I mean, and, and that's pretty much what every gag is in that one, where it will start a chase scene between some parties. Through every door. Yeah. Yes, every you door. Have to wait for it. And there yes, are... Yes, yes, I want to say, like, 16 buttons there. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yes. So, before we go more into personal experiences, while we're talking about the mechanics, um, in addition to ones that will do that will activate gags in the scene that you are currently in, there are some that will activate uh, voiced gags that just sort of cut away to another character who will say some sort of, you know, weird usually non sequitur. Yeah, sometimes related to what you're doing, and then that's it. Bet you thought you'd get three wishes. You get me instead. Um, and then the last kind, which is pretty much the only metric for failure in the game, is that some buttons are rigged to explosives hooked up to various uh, international landmarks. Yes. And pressing the button will cause them to detonate, and you watch them explode and crumple. Yes, in very loving detail. It's very detailed. It's honestly... 
almost kind of creepy how yeah, like almost... they, how well animated it is. Uh, unsettling, especially given. In the interest of taste, we won't really go too much into detail, but some of their choices of Target have not aged well. Yes. Let's just uh, say that. But I do have to admit, like you said, the animation is very impressive. This is sort of a Sega CD signature, I think. It reminds me, in visual yes. style, of some other Sega CD games from Sega themselves, like uh, Eternal Champions for Sega CD. It's this very, like... It is realistic, but it's not quite like scanned in. Like you can tell, it's not scanned in. It was like redrawn. It has yes. a ton of frames of animation because it can fit that with CD hardware. Which is interesting, uh, given that Slap and Stick are both very cartoony and simple. Yes, but in I, most. While I'm on this topic, I I have to applaud the visuals in this game in general. They really make use of the CD's capacity. There's some animations with a lot of frames, some very impressive, like, distortion effects. Oh, yes. Just so many unique assets. It's a real visual treat, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Some of the backgrounds look excellent yeah. also. Yeah. So anyways, going back to some personal experiences, what else uh, you got? God, I mean, it is sort of weird with their choices of landmarks, because the first few I got were just like, you know, I I destroyed a few. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, like Buckingham Palace and Versailles. We can do without. Yeah. It's like, you know, symbols of an oppressive monarchy anyway. Exactly. And then I just blew up some random guy's grass height. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, a, <laughs> apparently that's on the same level. Just fuck that guy in particular, I guess. Yeah. That guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though, I'll mention now that if you somehow do end up triggering every single explosive, yes, that is one of the 30. few things that, yes, that is one of the few things that will cause a game over scenario in which you will be returned back to the very first scene of the game. Which you still keep your progress. The game tracks the percentage of gags that you've hit. Yeah, I. You just need it. You just need to go back to the very start. There's some buttons I forgot to mention earlier that do actually trigger a scene that is like a game over state, which there's no indication of or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's a bit frustrating, as I said, given that there's no real indication in any way, shape, or form. It's all luck. <laughs> yes. Do you want to point out that while most of these are just slap this young child on his own, you do get to play a few scenes with his dog, Stick, and later on, as Stick. Most of which are exactly the same as scenes we've already seen slapping with the literal exact same gags. But they took the time to go and, like, reanimate all of it with uh, Stick, and in one of the rooms, along with the 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 potion machine if you remember that one or yes. if you got to that one the gags are actually totally different for stick hmm well i know some of them were the same i'll get into that later ah okay uh, oh yeah also, yeah 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 okay i know what you're saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that I'll, one's the same <laughs> th- this child is put through a lot like i'm pretty sure there are several scenes in which you know, you watch the scene, and then it snaps back to the selection. It's just like, no, mm-hmm. yeah, this kid's dead. Yeah, I mean, the whole point, it's, 
the whole point is like you know it's just this this gag happens it's of no consequence or anything it very often involves physical harm <laughs> upon whoever you are playing as yes but then it just sort of resets back to how it was mm-hmm. no no one worse for wear physically emotionally maybe <laughs> We have, there's no indication that they have any memories of what happened, and if there's any mental scarring present. And there, there are some sequences that just end with Slap giving a sort of exasperated look at the camera. It's just like, yeah, yes. same. Yeah. <laughs> same. As part of it, I do want to point out that some of these gags, like, this game starts out very kind of vanilla in the sense of its gags, in my opinion. Sure. Like, there were the chase scene doors that we talked about. There's a early sequence with a copy machine, which does pretty much every possible kind of joke with a copy machine you can think of. <laughs> yes. Like, a lot of early ones which is just like, oh, you're in an elevator, and if you press the wrong button, then a ton of people will flood into the elevator and trap you. You get trampled. Yeah, or it's like if you press the closed door button instead of the doors closing, it's the walls close. Yeah. There are a lot of elevators in this game. (laughs) There's at least two or three, yes. Yes. I don't know, some standout ones, like the first gag that I was actually really impressed with, in addition to the first location, is that early on, I want to say around tier 7, you end up in, like, this field of giant light bulbs. Ah, yes. Yes, and this allows for a lot of gags where, you know, they light up with different visuals. The first one that really impressed me was just the one where it hatches like an egg, and then the filament forms a dragon. Ah, yeah. that that was the first time I was legitimately impressed with the game. It's like, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll see where this is going. Right. I, I do have to say that my favorite yeah. gags were probably the cutaways. Oh, yeah? Given that, you know, for a game that prides itself on being so random, I'll admit that for the most part, you can kind of tell where they're going. Like, oh, he'll... Mm-hmm open an umbrella, and then it will rain on the inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as Ben already said, you will get these random cutaways to characters that are in later parts of the game, usually. Mm-hmm. That will just say something completely unrelated, generally with a very obnoxious voice acting. <laughs> with goofy accents, yes. Yes. Attention! A mutant has been spotted! Approach with caution and plenty of I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's more in line with a lot of what they were going for and a lot of what this game prides itself on. Oh, definitely. It's very on-brand for the sort of, like, characters and bits that would have been on something like Geva Geva Kijupu. Yeah, and... The same vein, like... So I don't know, any... Oh, eventually, yeah. they get into more ridiculous scenarios and the gags step up a notch one of my favorites is probably a 
room where you find yourself in a museum with a giant T-Rex skeleton. Mm, yeah. And they do a lot of fun gags with that, be it bringing the T-Rex back to life, merging it into one giant bone, knocking everything over, <laughs> or blowing up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> it was gonna fall Sometimes anyway. I just do that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's also a surprising amount of... You come across the Mona Lisa more than once in this game. Everyone loves the Mona Lisa worldwide. Yeah. I don't know if it's an appreciation of its beauty or people are like, this thing, this thing is like overrated. Let's sort of fuck with it. <laughs> but there's a lot of like, uh, classical art like that. There's a lot of classical music. There's some scenes that involve. Oh, definitely. Like, scanned images of, uh, classical composers. Yeah. <laughs> there's. Yeah, one of the. My favorite things that I just sort of noticed was um, in a scene with a, like, multi-armed goddess statue. Yeah. Um, it's playing a tune from the Nutcracker. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I don't remember specifically what scene, but, um, in the Nutcracker, but I, I don't know. I just liked that. Yes. Yeah, there's actually one... Uh, there's one scene as well where Slap is conducting a, a chorus composed of, uh, famous composers. Uh, and in one of them, uh, their, each of their heads blows up in turn, uh, in time to, uh, Ode to Joy. Okay, that's very Monty Python. Yes, very. Or much the so. Muppet Show. I gag. can see it happening on either. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now that and I like think I said, about it, I think DNA they did do Paul. that on Monty Python. They did the exploding blue Danube, I think. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. I mean, there are some gags that are like a wholesale from it. There's a giant foot that steps on stuff like from Monty Python. Yeah, even. not the same foot. Monty Python has that one copyrighted, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. Like, giant uh, moai that fall on people a number of times. Yeah. I haven't trusted moai since Rhythm Heaven, so this is all very on brand. I was going to say Gradius, but we've already established that you have played it, but still don't know what it is. Shut up. (laughs) And a moai statue seems more like something that would come out of Parodius. It's in Parodius, too. It's in both. Good job. Let's see, any others, any standouts to you, Mir? Oh. Also, a lot of, uh, objects vomiting, like, goop. Yeah, Yeah, that was unpleasant. I didn't even mention the intro. I didn't even (laughs) mention the intro. I adore this game's intro. I don't know if you guys took the time to watch it. I did. Yeah. I really like it a lot. I didn't know I could skip it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the intro is, you know, music done by Keitani. Uh, it's, you know, very goofy, very whimsical. It's sort of this sequence of machines malfunctioning and sort of like, uh, beating up people or like launching them into space and stuff like that. It's, I really like this game's intro. Really transportation in general. You should at least watch the game's intro. Yeah. And it does, the whole second half of the game's intro is just machines vomiting out goop. So. Yeah, very unpleasant. That, that is, that is continued into the main game as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, we can adjust, we can, uh, 
we can confront sort of the elephant in the room with this game's humor on that note, which is like, a lot of it's very juvenile. Oh, yes. I don't want to... Uh. It's... I'm not a fan of it myself. Uh, 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 exactly. It's just, like, it's just sort of a one. I'm not going to get into details, but I just had to sit there for a second. Just... Really? I saw this coming. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of... For better or for worse, it's a cornerstone of, like, that era of Japanese comedy. Lovely. I, there are two particular bits that stand out in my mind for some reason. Sure. Like, one in the aforementioned light bulb sequence, where it get, it takes you to a cutaway of Thomas Edison and a light bulb... Both of whom are, like, superimposed on babies' bodies. Mm -hmm. And there's a short scene, and it's... Like I said, it's just very odd. I mean, more thematically appropriate like than most of one. the cutaways. But... <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Thomas Edison, inventor and father of the electric light bulb. Junior, do your stuff. And while we're on the topic of juvenile humor, like I said, this is very clearly a child, but there is one sequence in uh, yes. a room. This is repeated with the dog as well. Ah, uh, yes. Where you have to drink a potion, and one of them gives your character tits. And, and they are pleased with this. Yes, and then more tits. Eventually, they just become a tit monster. Yes. Too many boobs. Which, I think that one must have gotten by the ESRB or something, because I genuinely do not think that that's cool in a T-rated game. Yeah, that... <laughs> no, these are bare breasts. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was featured pretty prominently in advertising for the Japanese version. Oh, God. The Western version, it? not so much. I've got to imagine they tried to slide that one past the ESRB. <laughs> Yeah, that might fly in a teen game in Japan, but no. I don't know about America. No, I no, mean, no. we can get really into so. over-sexualization of the female body, but... <laughs> that's a just, story for another time. Yes, it was unexpected, which, kudos, that's what the game is going for, but at the same time, just... It's quite grotesque. <laughs> I mean, I, I came across it when I was playing as a dog, so it uh, yes. just felt like a... Between that and some of the other stuff, it felt like a Fur Affinity Wonder production. Well, made more sense for it to have more tits. Uh, <laughs> Biologically <laughs> speaking, I... <laughs> Anyways, any other thoughts, Mir? Gosh, I don't know. I think I did pick up on the style and humor and stuff being kind of more of like an earlier showa era like sort of style because nice nice oh, you, right yeah you're I've, big I've, on I've, that on yeah have you seen era. any of renzo kinoshita's material um it would, i don't it would be to your taste i think i'll need to send you a link afterwards i'm not sure i don't think so i have read a lot of like um, Fujio Akatsuka's comics, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, very in the same vein. And, like, for those who haven't heard about him, he's, like, considered the god of gag manga. Um, so, I guess there would probably be at least some influence from there. Right, that makes sense. Well, let's see, any other, any other thoughts before I try to move on to reception and legacy mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Oh, I guess I can hold on to the end. I did play the game until, well, technically speaking, I beat the game. I only got, like, half of the scenes and maybe 30% of the gags at most, but... Right. I'll I'll, I'll get on into my primary thoughts later. Alright, Mir, anything, anything for now? Uh... Not really. Alright. So, uh... How would you expect that this game was received? Not well. At the time. Well, Cause, probably a bit more well-received in Japan compared to the U.S., but... Well, let's... let's. Uh, it did okay in Japan. Didn't set the world on fire. Didn't really, you know, end up being a killer app or anything. I mean... Uh, but I think it was a lot more generally understood... There, like, I think people got the premise behind it. They got the humor behind it more. Yeah. Here in the West, yeah. not not so much. Yeah, no. It's, to say it was polarizing would be an understatement. There are some people who sort of praised it as being, like, one of the first worthwhile, like, Sega CD games that, you know, brought something unique to the table it was entertaining, it had some real, like, visual prowess, and rather than utilize FMV, it used some of, you know, the Sega CD's, like, scaling effects and increased uh, storage capacity for sprites to great use. While on the other hand, it got some of the lowest scores I've seen in, like, Western games magazines from other reviewers who would just say, this isn't a game, there's no point. The the humor is all childish. This is a game for people on drugs. Oh, that no. Sort of yeah, no, there's definitely the classic line. This is a game by people on drugs, for people by drugs. For people by drugs. For people by drugs. I mean, in terms of juvenile humor, I guess, like, I played a lot of games on my computer that were, like, disc-based as a kid, and I feel like I would have loved this game <laughs> as a child. Yeah, it's definitely... It's a game that I think it's kind of difficult to get bored with, just because of the sheer... Even if you don't, like, do a bunch of it at once, you can go back to it, and chances are you'll see a whole bunch of new stuff. There's just... There's a lot of stuff in this game. Admitted, like I said, I, I got frustrated with it, and actually kind of bored at points. Because oh, yeah? there were bits, especially I around the middle of the game, use... where it would, like, there is one one room that only had one way out, that only really had one new path out of that room, which only had one new path out of that room, but that first room had, like, four separate entrances to it. Yeah. I certainly don't think this game would be worse off if it had some sort of indication of which buttons you've already hit. And an ability yeah. to skip gags. Yes, I mean... Which, the game... This game has more branching paths up... than Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> it did end up getting uh, a second chance. It was re-released for PS2 uh, in Japan only in 2002. 
with a few changes. First yeah. of all, uh, Slap had his voice changed uh, to uh, Keitani, the musician of the game. He voiced him in this version. And um, as you could presume, some of the material involving national monuments getting blown up wasn't going to fly in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> for and... obvious reasons. So, the, the 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 developers of the game were aware of this, and those scenes were swapped out with brand new, fully 3D rendered FMV scenes, in which, rather than explode, uh, the uh. monuments would empty their bowels. Uh. Wonderful. Great. Lovely. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the extent of the changes there. Uh, and that's pretty much the last we've heard of the series. Uh, unfortunately, both uh, character designer Renzo Kinoshita and musician Keitani uh, passed away ever since then. Kinoshita in 97 and Tani in 2010. So a lot of the uh, core staff behind the game is are no longer with us. I don't think Sega's ever expressed any interest <laughs> yeah. in, you know, bringing back the series or even re-releasing it again necessarily. Which I think is a shame, but at the same time, it sort of cemented this title as one of the most interesting things on Sega CD. Which is already a very interesting add-on. Yes, it has... There's a lot of very bizarre stuff on it, but even in that realm, Panic is extremely unique and, in my opinion, quite worth the look. I really can't think of anything else much like it, and I think, from what I can tell, a lot of people share my opinion in that. Yeah. It's one of the more worthwhile uh, games to look for if you are starting a collection on the Sega CD. Yeah, I, I agree. It is worth a look. But I also have a confession to make. Yes. So when I was playing this game, went in for about two and a half hours, going from room oh to room, back to room, yeah. back to room, and eventually I used a walkthrough. See, I was going to advise that you both just play for like an hour or so, but <laughs> whoops. Which I'm I'm actually sort of torn on because... I feel like using a walkthrough is against the spirit of things. It ruins the surprise. It yeah. tells you what to do, and I get what you're saying, you miss out sure. on a lot of content. But on the other hand, it's just I mean, so frustrating. Actually, the game actually did have an official guide released alongside it, which I'm kind of curious about how that would even look. Yeah. But no, I think that there's definitely some quality of life stuff that would uh, be worth adding, and... I will say now, in my opinion, maybe one of the better ways to experience it would be through watching a compilation of all the gags or to playing it on an emulator where you can speed up. Not to... I mean, but that would be wrong. You can you can play it on an emulator with a legit copy. Oh, true, you can. But... Sheesh, what do you take me for? <laughs> okay. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a very good curiosity piece, and certainly worth a look, but as a game, it's a bit of a headache, and prob honestly, probably not something I'll come back to. But 
I would advise looking at perhaps a compilation of the gags, like I mentioned. Yeah, that some that seems fair. Interesting stuff in there. I probably will actually. It yeah. seemed like the sort of thing what I'm into. All right, score one point for me this time. I actually got me interested <laughs> in the game. <laughs> there you go. And if that isn't an accomplishment, I, I then I don't even know. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, score one for Ben. That's going to be game on this episode. Thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it criticism, discussion, or suggestion, you can contact us on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see a collection of some of these gags. We probably won't include the boobs one, though. I think that's against the terms of service on Instagram. Probably. Probably. And as always, no matter how you're listening to us, be it through Podbean, Spotify, pressing a button that randomly brought you here, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's honestly what helps us out the most. It's what helps spread the word. And we love doing this. So if you want to support us in that endeavor, then just take some time and do so. Anyway, I'm Jacob. I'm Yur. I'm Ben. Join us next time when we get on the train to hell. With a single stop in Miami Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a one-way ticket? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Can I I at least have some time to, like, say goodbye to my worldly possessions and loved ones? I don't know. I mean, like... Overappreciation of those may be the reason that you're on this train in the first place. Did you think of that? Ah! That's funny! I always thought there was a light at the end of the tunnel! Oh well! I guess not!